It's Super Bowl week, and we will kick things off with a look at the various tripwires players have to watch out for while in Las Vegas or on the NFL's gambling rules. And later, we're diving into what to expect with this year's Super Bowl ads with USA Today's Rick Suter. Plus, we have news from the NHL, and Kylian Mbappe has reportedly picked his next team. It's Monday, February 5th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. Super Bowl week in Las Vegas will be a fraught mix of NFL players in Sin City and a maze of confusing NFL bylaws around gambling. Joining me now to discuss is freelance writer Dan Kaplan. Welcome, Dan. Uh, Thanks for having me. So to start us off here, um, we obviously we've got the two teams coming in, but many, many more NFL players will be in Las Vegas this week. Uh, So just uh, give us a sense of the scene here. Well, to, to take a step back for the listeners, um, Super Bowl is about more than just the game. It's the whole week. It's a week of events, and it's a huge commercial carnival. Radio Row, which most of the listeners probably have heard of, has become nothing but a pitch line where players who are endorsing products show up on Radio Row and go from station to station and pitch whatever brand it is that's paying for them. In a, a typical Super Bowl week, there would be six, seven, eight, nine hundred 900 players that are not on the team's coming to coming to the host city, in this case, Las Vegas, looking for appearances, endorsing products, and uh, lending their names to parties. And, and so in a typical host city, that's not a problem. But in Las Vegas, when there's casinos and sports books, that there are issues that arise. Yeah. And so take us through some of those issues, because as we've seen with, you know, players getting suspended and sanctioned um, the NFL and other sports, um, there are very strict laws around what you can and can't do around gambling. So what kind of tripwires are, are players going to have to watch out for here? Well, for the players on the two teams, they're not allowed to gamble or go into casinos. But for the other players, um, they are allowed to go into casinos. But what they're not allowed to do is go into a casino uh, promote have a promotional appearance and have that promotional appearance advertised. I, I talked to a lot of marketing agents into the NFLPA, and they all were very cautious about putting players into casinos for appearances. And the appearance could be a retail store in the casino. Uh, it could be a meet and greet at a corporate dinner in a, in a back room at a restaurant. Uh, it could be an autograph signing somewhere. So the point is the players can do this, but they can't promote it. So the NFLPA, uh, I talked to the NFLPA, and they have, when I I talked to them, the day I talked to them, they had 586 players who had indicated interest in coming to Las Vegas. And that's just through the NFLPA. That's not including all the players who come through, who have deals done through agents. So the guy I talked to, the vice president at the NFLPA said he had 700 appearances ready to go for, for those players. Um, so that that's just through the NFLPA. So there's a lot of business going on. And the question is, will players run afoul of some of these restrictions? Yeah. And was there some trepidation coming from the NFLPA of, you know, that many players and so many? I mean, when you say you can do an event, but you can't promote it or you can be, you know, you, you can be in a casino, but not in a sports book. It feels like, you know, this is easy to screw up, even if you maybe know the rules or think you know the rules. Is the NFLPA worried about all that? I don't know if they're necessarily worried. They're, they're doing an educational, along with the NFL, an educational program. Uh, and they're, they're very clear with the, with the players that they, they can't promote and they can't be in sports books. Now, we learned last year 
when the when there were all those players suspended for gambling, including on NFL games, that all the education in the world doesn't always necessarily get through. Uh, and that, you know, that is something to watch. The NFL was asked on a conference call this week about how they how they monitor these kinds of things, these kinds of things, not just in the not just whether a player is promoting a casino appearance or in a sports book, but gambling, if they're gambling on NFL games and, and whatnot. And the response was, first, they they've provided this educational form to 17,000 people connected to the NFL. It's players, stadium workers and runs of a wide range. And they also said they work with their partners, uh, government regulators and all to, to monitor this activity. But again, because of what we saw last year with the suspensions, it's, you know, the message doesn't always get through. Yeah. And, you know, I, and my sympathy goes out to the players where it's like, you know, you, didn't you read page three of the form I sent you two weeks ago? It's like, this is, you know, kind of my like bureaucratic nightmare here. Um, so, but yeah, I also imagine the enforcement end of it is just as complicated when you've got, you know, 700 plus players, uh, it all in, in a, in a big city where like every third business is a casino practically, at least in some parts of it. Um, anyway, so is there anything that you're sort of keeping your eye on, um, in terms of the chaos that can unfold here? Well, we obviously want to, want to see how many players you spot in the casino are they in sports books now they're allowed to walk through a sports book if that's the only way to get to where, where they need to go um so uh, they can't stop and have a drink right, if they're on the on the way through a sports book but you know that's that that's 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 a gray area and and the thing that was that was interesting in talking to some of the marketing agents is that they didn't know all the rules uh and they're they're very cautious about what's going to happen next week. So I talked to one marketing agent who was convinced that players could be in sports books. They just couldn't gamble on NFL games. I talked to another agent who thought they couldn't do appearances in casinos. That's not the case. They can do appearances in casinos. They just can't promote them. So this would be if player X is doing an autograph signing, he couldn't put that on his Instagram feed. Uh, it's, so it, it, it's very gray. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like even if the rules themselves are not gray, it's like it gets gray once you get into what people actually understand the rules to be and what they what's been communicated to them, what they've actually heard, what they actually remember. Um, should be interesting to see how that all unfolds. Dan Kaplan, thanks so much for joining us. I'm glad I don't have any restrictions on me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, gamble away, enjoy. We'll be getting dispatches from our team on the ground in Las Vegas throughout the week. Now let's check in on some other big news in the sports world. Kylian Mbappe has reportedly chosen his next team. The 25-year-old superstar will be leaving Paris Saint-Germain for Real Madrid after this season, according to ESPN. We're still waiting for official confirmation on that news. Real Madrid is battling Girona for first place in La Liga, but landing Mbappe is the clearest example you could find that these two teams are not the same. Real Madrid is one of a handful of teams in the world that can afford Mbappe. That list does not include Girona, but does include Al-Hilal of the Saudi Pro League, which reportedly made an offer north of $300 million for a single season of Mbappe last year. That was apparently not enough to lure him out of Europe. We should learn in due time what he'll make in Spain. Meanwhile, another generational star is raising questions and not providing answers about his own future. LeBron James is in the enviable position of making $47.6 million this year, with an option to stay with the Los Angeles Lakers next season for $51.4 million. 
LeBron has said he hasn't decided what he's doing, and he stirred more questions last week when he tweeted an hourglass emoji after a Lakers loss to the Atlanta Hawks, suggesting that time is running out on something. Hanging over all of this is the possibility that his son, Bronny James, will declare for the NBA draft this summer. Bronny has had health complications that have slowed his progress, but if he does make the leap, any team drafting him might be getting the two-for-one family package. NHL players will participate in the Winter Olympics in 2026 and 2030. That will end a 12-year gap since the last time league players participated in 2014. This is a challenging decision for the league every time it comes up, because it's great for the growth of the game, many players are thrilled to get to represent their country, but the teams hate it, because it breaks up the season and there's a good chance someone gets hurt. There are also disputes on content. For instance, Sidney Crosby, one of the very best players of this century, won the 2010 Olympics for Canada on an overtime goal, and the NHL does not have access to that highlight, which is a sign that reasonable things that should have been happening were not happening. In 2018, the various parties involved couldn't come to an agreement, and according to the NHL, the Olympic Committee conditioned participation in 2022 on players also playing in 2018, and neither ended up happening. With the NHL season and the Winter Olympics both naturally occurring in winter, there is no perfect way to do this. But NHL players in the Winter Games is a good thing in the way that MLB players in the World Baseball Classic is a good thing and top soccer players in the World Cup is a good thing. Ultimately, this is a no-brainer that took 12 years to happen. Up next, Super Bowl ads are a huge investment and companies have to make the most of their 30 seconds in the national spotlight. I spoke to USA Today's ad meter editor Rick Suter on what it means to advertise in the Super Bowl in 2024 and what we can expect off the field from the big game. That conversation is coming up next. All right, I am joined now by USA Today ad meter editor Rick Suter. Welcome, Rick. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Great to have you on. Uh, so two years ago at the Super Bowl, we had the Crypto Bowl, lots of crypto ads. Now a sort of somewhat infamous event, but I'm wondering if you anticipate this year um, it, there being some kind of theme that people refer to looking back. Yeah, I mean, that's a good one. A lot of people have sort of used that as a benchmark now where it is like the, what's coming after the Crypto Bowl? Like what, you know, because 2022 to 2023, like there was this sort of like lull of no one really knew what was going on. And that, it's kind of tongue in cheek, but right now I would say it would be called the Formula Bowl. Um, just seeing the way brands and the agencies are sort of coming together to sort of fit everything into what are mini little 30 second blockbuster films. Um, and the rollouts from the teasers and the social media and everything that they're doing, it's not just a, oh, here's this celebrity in a brand's shirt or something. It's got a, a lot more of a hook to it. Um, and you're seeing that on a larger scale. That's not to say brands in the past have not done that, but you're just seeing a lot more brands sort of take that formula. Will it work? I don't know. But that seems to be where things are going right now. Yeah, I mean, that seems to be a thing of like, you know, as long as you're investing all this money in a Super Bowl ad, why not try to get two weeks of coverage for it? So, you know, a lot of the ads are out already. Yeah, yeah, 100%. It's the, the long tail on these things uh, each year. Again, when we talk to the, the marketing directors and everything, it's like, how long are we going to push this beyond the Super Bowl? The lead up is sometimes even more important now than the actual game ad appearing and all that. It's it's become this giant project. Yeah, it's 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 sort of that frontline push that people are trying to build the hook, get the hook in there, get people talking about, it, get people sharing it. You know, and that sort of leads up to this giant thing on Super Bowl Sunday. Mm -hmm. And... What what kinds of 
companies and brands, who's it worth it for? Because obviously not everyone is going to, not everyone can afford it, but even those who can't afford it, not everyone's going to say, you know, if you give me whatever it is, and we can get into the actual prices, but you know, give me $6 million, would I prefer 30 seconds in the Super Bowl or, you know, spreading that around in different ways? A lot of them are going to say, let me spread that around and then I'll be more effective. So who who is going to say, you know what, give me the 30 seconds at the Super Bowl? You know, I would venture to guess that there probably isn't a ton of brands that would say no to this under some sort of, can we make this work just because the way things have shifted. So if you would have said, you know, 30 years ago, obviously the prices were a little bit different relatively speaking, but you know, you had that sort of aha moment. You had the Super Bowl; it was going to be on your television set. If someone missed it, okay, whatever. But now with the digital side of this, and the sort of stretch, and even something as simple as like a Google search term, if you're in the trend of a Super Bowl commercial, like that itself is going to be worth it. So you know, while that doesn't mean that every brand can just <clears throat> excuse me jump in and do a seven million dollar ad, I think it definitely increases the playing field from the past years. Um, and to your question, sort of, is it, you know, is it worth it? That's always the, you know, the unknown, really. I think that they've said in the past, you know, you've looked at some of the numbers with in-game ads have generated somewhere around $430 million worth of revenue. Um, that's a lot. And that, you know, that's probably only going to increase. Well, actually, yeah, and that makes me wonder how much they're spending. So obviously the trend in recent years and maybe since the beginning of the Super Bowl has just been these get more expensive all the time. Is is that just continuing? Yeah. Yeah. This is so they're seven million dollars average this year, uh, which is the same as last year. To put that in the sort of historical context, it was thirty seven thousand five hundred dollars in the first Super Bowl in nineteen sixty seven. So, you know, obviously that's a relative number to the time. Uh, you know, the first year that USA Today ad meter started was 89. It was $675,500. By 1995, it had already gone up over a million dollars. And now here we are, you know, 30 years later, basically looking at 7 million. Um, you know, there were a few years there in the pandemic where costs, you know, they didn't raise them or they dropped a little bit, but you're still talking in that $5 million to $7 million range. So, you know, it's it's a lot of money. And that's just to get into the block. That's not production costs, talent, you know, paying the agencies, all these other outliers. It's, you know, I would imagine that some of these bigger ones, after you put everything together, the final totals probably maybe in that 10 million range. And, and yeah, you kind of mentioned the, you know, it's being the, the formula bowl uh, at the beginning. Um, are you seeing, you know, is there evolution in um, kind of the types of ads we're seeing? Like, I feel like for a while it was sort of like, you could you just like pick a celebrity that you still knew about but had kind of forgotten about and then they pop up in a Super Bowl ad and it's kind of funny and like that was the thing for a while. Um, is there, I don't know, any other trends along those lines um, uh, just in terms of how these are being put together, how how brands are trying to get attention, stand out from, you know, everything that's, you know, it's kind of like the Las Vegas of TV experiences where like everything is like glitz and glamor and explosions and, um, and, and celebrities you hadn't thought about in a while. Um, so yeah, anything you can speak to in terms of like w- what's coming next? The, when you talked again to a lot of these people, the, the new thing is how do you make that winning ad? What is a winning ad? Whether it's how do you win ad meter or just in general? And the one thing that always kind of pops up because there is some arguments of areas, there's always a hook. Like you have to have some sort of hook, whether it's in the first four seconds or whatever it is, like there needs to be something 
And to your point, it just can't be this like nostalgic face that might work, but there needs to be a little bit more to it. And that's what you're seeing this year. You know, you look at some of the celebrities, the the level of talent that is being involved in this. So like Chris Pratt is doing the Pringles ads. Like that's this giant A-list star who not only has a giant social media following, he's sort of an impactful person that, you know, they put the Pringles mustache on him. They had fans try to guess who was behind the mustache. It's like, there's your, there's your hook, right? <clears throat> and it didn't just happen within the reveal of the commercial on Super Bowl Sunday. It was something that led up through the teaser campaign and then sort of built. So the audience is wondering, obviously, he has that giant social media following to get this out. You can flip that over to his father-in-law, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's going to be in a State Farm ad. You know, doesn't have quite the social media following, if I'm if I remember correctly, but still has a pretty large, we're talking you know, probably 20 plus million on Instagram. You know, he's, they came out with a trailer where he's agent state farm and it's this, you know, it's got this action teaser trailer type of thing that he's known for. And it's like, okay, so that's that hook of like, well, what's this going to be? And I think that's where you're seeing the trend go with all of these Chris Jenner with Oreo. It's these big names, Kate McKinnon for Hellman's they're names that sort of like pull you in. They can take a teaser. They're the kind of, personality that can can take even a, a novice fan and, and draw you into this maybe 15 seconds that you have um and that's sort of the formula that they're going for where it's like how do we get them in we keep this hook tell the story you know and by 30 seconds later hopefully we've created something that people are talking about sharing you know going back and watching on youtube all those different metrics and how much control are the NFL and Paramount is broadcasting the uh, the Super Bowl this year? How much control are they exerting over over the ad set part of this? That is a good question. So, you know, obviously that there there have been ads that have been banned before in the past. If you kind of go through history, there's you know you've had your sort of, I mean, even a brand like Budweiser. I think back in 2007, from the skinny dipping ad was was banned. There have been things where it's been direct attacks on people. So there is some control there within the kind of space as far as the feel of the game and everything. Obviously, corporate censorship is a huge layer of thin ice that you got to be careful with what you're doing. Um, but, you know, outside of that, where it's sort of like a no brainer, like this is a direct attack on someone, you know, whatnot. The feel and sort of the way the ads are going is really based more on just kind of the sign of the times. Right. Like it's you look at these ads throughout history and they really are kind of a time capsule where you can open it up and look at the style, you know, the wardrobe, sort of just the tone. You know, obviously, you can go through different eras, 2001 with, you know, the sort of 9-11, you know, you move into 2021 after COVID, where it was a lot of like, hey, let's maybe have fun. Who knows? So, you know, it's it's I think that part of it is more of just the, you know, the popular culture. But there's definitely that sort of underlying, you know, and I, I mean, the NFL doesn't need me to like toot their horn. I can't imagine the vetting process that they have to go through with some of these, because when you talk about regional ads, the national ads, all these different things, especially coming into a political year, like I'm sure there's stuff out there that has probably been declined that, uh, you know, we might never know about. Yeah, actually, that was going to be my next question was we, we usually see, you know, it's like one to three ish political ads. Um yeah, what's and I'm wondering, yeah, do do networks um you know, do, do they try to control that or is it kind of worse if they're like if they if it feels like censorship? Um but it, it's it's a real change in tone when you go from like Doritos party to like now let's talk about, you know, the state of America. Um yeah, did 
just paramount and everyone else just you know basically just live with that and say you know you you're paying and you're not being offensive so or at least not offensive to half the country um so yeah what do you do with that as far as a national commercial someone that's actually spent this you know seven million dollars the examples of that in since 2020 there really haven't been a ton so that year was the infamous donald trump did an ad and michael bloomberg did an ad on the national thing they finished last and second to last in the ad meter ratings like you wouldn't really be surprised it's just a, it was political fluff you know but there wasn't anything offensive about it it wasn't you know they weren't really doing any attacks on any specific thing and so it was allowed i don't know what the process was before it got to me uh but you know i think that that's probably was it was a difficult situation um you know you're seeing sort of from the advocacy and the like religion area that can, has also been banned before, you know, there back in the early two thousands, there was a Christian group that was banned because of a kind of a slight that they're kind of putting on Obama um, that, that didn't make it, you know, it was about a pro-choice type of ad that the, the NFL didn't take. But last year, the Christian group, he gets us, they ran two national commercials. Um, you know, when you looked at them, ideologies aside, you know, it, they were well done. It was sort of like, you know, it was a commercial, like it, it, it made sense. There was no one was being attacked. Um, this year so far, the only one that I know of is Robert Kraft's organization for the anti-Semitism is going to run an ad, a 32nd ad. And again, that's topical. There's probably, you know, like that, that makes sense. Taylor Swift, um, maybe at the Super Bowl, you know, we've we've kind of like mapped out if you if like left right after a concert in Tokyo, she can maybe make it. Anyway, whether or not she's there, her her presence will be felt <laughs> one way or another. Um, it, will her presence be felt in uh, you know in in between the game when when we're you know in the ad market? Yeah, this is the the probably the biggest question at this point. Uh, you know, we always look at this where. If the game draws in 100 million viewers on average, last year it was over 110, like how much of that Taylor Swift effect does like the global feel? Are we talking 120 million viewers, or viewers tune in just to see if she's going to be there? And that also kind of moves into the realm of like the commercial space. Um, you know, obviously Travis Kelsey's been really great with all the stuff he's been doing. And, you know, she's been around from things like Capital One, stuff like that. You know, there hasn't been any rumors as far as an actual ad, but I just think the buzz in general and sort of what she generates even from an online social media traction, I think you, you're going to see an uptick of some sort just because that's the power that she has as an entertainment figure. Um, you know, the halftime show, you know, that was another rumor. There's just, there's so much as you can place it on so many different things. Um, but as far as maybe like a commercial, we haven't heard anything yet, but you know, it's something that's definitely a, uh, it's on the, the back of everyone's minds in all these conversations. All right. Well, Rick Suter, giving us plenty to think about for everything, not the game. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. That's it for today. It's a big week here. Subscribe so you don't miss a beat and drop us a five-star review if you're enjoying the show. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.